Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast presented by Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. We are part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today is Andrew Allegretta, one of the voices of Vanderbilt Athletics. We will talk Vandy basketball and baseball. Andrew appears on the guest line, which is presented by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, please give Taylor or Russell a call. That number 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Now on to our interview with Andrew. Andrew Allegretta joins us today. We're going to spend most of our time, I think, on baseball, but first of all, basketball. And I'll do a recap podcast with Sam Phelan later. But while I've got Andrew, I wanted to get him to comment on the game last night. Vanderbilt had a thriller with Xavier, had a nice lead, thought they were going to win it, didn't finish at the end. Um, But some momentum heading into next season – Scotty Pippen may or may not have played his last game. I guess we'll see on that. that, that that's a mouthful. I also owe you a hello and thank you for joining us <laughs> at this point, hey, too. Hey, Chris. How are <laughs> yeah, you? That's, I need to work on manners here. But uh, <laughs> anyway, Andrew, it's, in all seriousness, thank you for joining us. Um, but let, let's start basketball. Your thoughts on last night and the, and the way the season ended. Uh, sure. Uh, first off, always a pleasure to talk. Um, second, Let's zoom out for a second. Um, 19 wins this season, correct? Um, I recognize it didn't finish where anybody wanted to finish, including Coach Stackhouse. Um, However, clearly, clearly steps taken and a good overall season. Work to be done, but a good overall season for Vanderbilt men's basketball. Um, In regards to last night, to your point, what was it, a 10-point lead at some point? Yeah, I think. And at then least you let it was that at least nine. Yeah. Yeah. So you had some opportunities down the stretch. I think there was some missed free throws, if I'm scratching my brain correctly. Um, and then you just kind of went a little bit quiet down the stretch offensively. And Xavier's still a good team, and they're on their home floor, and they had a fairly energized crowd there. Um, so you give them a lot of credit down the stretch. It was nice to see Miles Studi kind of find some confidence. He is one of those guys, once he gets going, that you want him to take a reasonable number of shots and intelligent shots, but 12 points out of him. And if it's Scottie Pippen's last game, which I think if we're being fairly honest with ourselves, it likely is, uh, especially considering going back to a season ago when we didn't know if we would have him for this season. It, it's hard to ask Scotty to prove more um, heading towards the NBA, if that is his direction, right? Guys come back to college, typically speaking, to prove that they can do something that the scouts think that they can't. And at this point in time, I think Scotty's probably proved himself. So if it's his final game, 28 points for Scotty Pippen, I think he scored. And Chris, you can dust up my knowledge on this one. Did he have the single season points record for Vanderbilt? I thought I saw that. I, I kind of, uh, I kind of came and go. Maybe not. Um, I'm looking but, through your game notes, and yes, he finished with 736 points. Which honestly, he comes back next season. He's probably the school's all-time leading scorer, barring injury. Yeah, um, that is for sure. Um, 
but he, he's let, let's just work off of the assumption that likely this was his last game. He played great. I mean, I think what we and, and it's it's a conversation we've had in the past, Chris. I think this team down the stretch is a really good example of the fine line that you walk as a coach, as a program, trying to build depth within a roster. Um, there's a lot of talent on this roster, and you go into a season thinking that you've got X with Liam Robbins, with Rodney Chapman, and then the growth and how guys like Melora Brown will develop or guys like Miles Studi will develop in the roles that they're supposed to play. And then it just gets hard throughout the course of the season. You can see down the stretch the vision that Coach Stackhouse had for this team. Um, so all of this uh, is to say that it would have been nice if a couple of the shots would have fallen down the stretch against Xavier for sure. And everyone in and around the program is looking for more. Uh, but you can understand the thought process of Coach Stackhouse. You can see where he wants it to go. And obviously, they've got a pretty solid recruiting class coming in. Um, so, look, we all want more. But um, as you kind of level yourself out, I think there's certainly plenty to, to feel good about, not maybe over the moon about, but good about as the program continues to move forward. Let's talk baseball with our remaining time here. You and I were both at First Horizon Park yesterday for Vanderbilt's 13-4 win over Belmont. We were two of the, the few people outside those dugouts allowed in the park, unfortunately, because I of give the credit time to the change. fans that hung out at third and home. Yeah, that, out there. that was that was, was a really pretty... good contention of people hanging out, having yeah. some lunch, grabbing a drink and watching some baseball. Yeah, that that was a good way to spend an afternoon. The weather was great. Uh, and, and what a what a strange game. It just seems like this has been the script lately is things don't necessarily go their way early. Some seeing eye singles and stuff like that get bunched together and they find themselves in a hole and then ultimately they come back with a vengeance and yesterday that was a 10 run inning and what the fifth I think yeah so Jack Bolger hits his very first home run of the season Um, Spencer Jones I think has a four RBI day Carter Young continues to be very very hot he's got a nine game hitting streak all things considered, it's really good. Um, if we're going to do the coach thing where you pick apart the stuff that still needs to get better, um, the thing that comes to my brain first and foremost is defense. Uh, in more dif- well, defense is certainly up there, and I know Coach Corbin wants more consistency. So maybe I'm uh, glossing over the headline. The thing that my brain goes to is situational hitting. Um, there's been a handful of games that they could have flipped with just slightly better execution with runners at second and third, less than two outs. I think it was the second inning. They had maybe the bases loaded and don't score or had runners at first and second with less than two outs and didn't score. Um, If you are setting yourself up with opportunities in a really, really difficult game, um, especially in Omaha or potentially in Hoover or even this weekend against South Carolina down in Columbia, and you miss those opportunities, um, it's it's going to grab you at some point in time. This offense has enough firepower. It was funny. I just did a conversation with Teddy Cahill, um, and we kind of talked about that the offense overall has enough firepower. It may lack it may lack that first round bat, right? Like a JJ Blade or Dansby Swanson. And it's ridiculous to ask every team to have a Dansby Swanson, but you understand my point, right? There's, there's firepower up and down the lineup. I'm not sure that there's the one big masher that sits in there that also gets drafted in the first round. 
And that's with all due respect to Dom Keegan, who's having just a ridiculous season. Um, having said that, like you've got to cash in in your opportunities when it's second and third, less than two outs, or the base is loaded, nobody out. You've got to be able to put two or three runs on the board in really difficult games. And I respect that I'm being a coach and I'm picking apart things that a coach would pick apart, but I could also sit here and tell you that they're basically one, two and team ERA in the SEC or batting average or stolen bases or whatever it is, right? There's so much to be optimistic about with this crew. Uh, and we'll see where it goes. But but if I'm going to pick apart some stuff that has to take strides, I think situational hitting is something that comes to my brain. Yeah, I would agree with that. That's been a struggle the last few games. I mean, I think the people that break down data for a living usually say that's just something that, that kind of comes and goes. And y- you ride waves and, and peaks and valleys and all those things um, as I ramble here. But anyway... Um, no, it's it's true, right? Like there's, but that's also part of the reason why you have to be very, very efficient. Because right. uh, I don't know that this team is doing it. I don't know that it's doing it. Uh, but you can't just depend on a three-run home run, so to speak. You can't depend on a ten inning, a ten-run inning. Uh, you've got to be able to to cash in with with a runner at third, less than two outs, for example. Well, I, I'll, and, g- and, I'll give and, you. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Let me let you finish first. No, no, and and they they've got enough. I think the counterweight to it, in all fairness, is they've got enough experience and confidence to kind of overcome those things. They struggled with it against Michigan, and Tate Colwick helped them overcome that. They struggled with it on Sunday against Missouri, and Tate Colwick, an upperclassman, hits a home run to tie the game late in the ballgame. So they've got enough confidence, experience, poise to, if you miss an opportunity in the second or the third, stick with it. And, and frankly, they missed opportunities in the second and the third against Belmont, too. And, and look, you're not going to go to your point, right? Data people. It's a, it's a game where if you go three for ten, you've been very successful. So I don't expect them to go out there and every single time there's a perfect opportunity to cash in. That's ridiculous. Uh, I am saying, though, when you get into a very tight situation, and I think you could probably look back toward Omaha last year at times, without coming to very specific examples against Mississippi State on Tuesday and Wednesday, um, that if you've got a chance to score, you've got to find a way to do it because the pitching is going to get harder. The games are going to get tighter. Um, that's, that is the only thing. And, and to your point too, Chris, the defense needs to be a touch steadier because every now and then there's just a tiny little slip up. But look, we're, we're, we're combing through things that – are still very, very good. Like we haven't even mentioned the fact that this team is on a 17 game winning streak, right? 17 game winning streak, which is, which is nudging close to the program record, by the way, Um, which was 07. I was there for that. Yeah. Yep. Um, So this team has done so much well, so much, very, very well. And there's a lot of things to be optimistic about, but coach Corbin doesn't get to where coach Corbin is without picking apart the finest details. That's all. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast has been made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. Just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville, but he sees regular folks like you and I as well. 
What people love about Jody's office is the ambiance. It's relaxing. It's friendly. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. Whether your needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody today. Call him 615-270-2322. See him at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown or the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player and a huge Commodore booster, so go and talk Vandy sports with him while you're there. Go see Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of this podcast because without it, this season would not be possible. Okay, I run just numbers all the time on on them and, and the league. and I mean, everything you can think of. I'm not going to bore everybody till their eyes gloss over. But one thing I run is a thing that shows how many runs should you have scored given what you've done. Uh, and it does not have a clutch hitting thing in there. I, I, I think if you made that adjustment, maybe it would tell a different story. But according to the volume and type of base runners they've had, um, and and then other things in there like stolen bases, sacrifice, like any anything that you can think of that would be an input is there. I compare them to their peers in the league. Um, they have scored – there are six teams, I think, that have done worse than them in terms of the, taking all the inputs and converting them to runs scored. So they're right around the middle of the pack in terms of, of the league. Uh, if that's an accurate representation, I don't know, but that's about as close as I can get. So I don't know that it's you know compared to the, uh, the other teams. Uh, and, and they're about 1% below league average in terms of, of where they are. Again, you know <sighs> – I don't know how much to put into that early because, to be honest, most of the teams that that everybody in the league is playing right now are nowhere near the competition they're going to get the rest of the season on. But just just for point of information. But I I will tell you two things I'm watching with my own eyes. And again, this – I reserve the right to change this as the pitching gets tougher. Maybe this comes unraveled. But right now they are – they are really tough to pitch through to up and down the order. The exception no might have been Jack Bolger. No doubt. But, but he got a bomb yesterday. I think that'll do some things for his confidence, and I don't think that's indicative of the kind of hitter Jack is. I just think that sometimes when you're one of those things, you, you overthink some stuff and it becomes self-fulfilling prophecy. But he hadn't been driving the ball, maybe getting a bomb yesterday at a tough place to hit one, and I think the win probably helped, but still, it's – it's tough to get one out there under any circumstance. Um, I think that you're seeing fewer strikeouts this year. Their strikeout rate coming into yesterday as a team was 17%. League average in the SEC is 19%. Um, Alabama has struck out less than they have. Other than that, there's a few teams right there at 17%. Um, you know, If you want to take it to another decimal place, I don't know who wins the tie, but the point is they're they're making better contact this year. Uh, I saw Gavin Cassis having at bat against Missouri where you saw him choke up, use 11 pitches, hit one to the opposite field uh, for a single. So I'm, I'm just seeing things as I watch them with my eyes. And again, I try not to, to make too much of it at this point because of who they played. But my eyes tell me I think this is a good hitting team. I agree. Um, and I don't mean to dog the offense too, too much, right? Um, because it is because Carter Young, who could be, if he really surges down the stretch, a first round selection or a second round selection, 
he's batting in the ninth spot or the seventh spot yesterday, right? And you've got a freshman in Davis Diaz who looks just ridiculously comfortable for a freshman at the plate. It's going to get hard her, but his patience at the plate at the moment and his heartbeat at the plates at the moment is off the charts. Um, and he's batting second. And Spencer Jones is a guy that has not been depended upon before this season batting third. And Bradfield, and this is, I can't believe I'm saying it. I was talking to a few people yesterday. He's had a good season. He's had a good season, period, full stop. I also think there's another gear to Bradfield. He did the same thing a little bit last year as a freshman, right? He got better as he got toward April. Um, But he's got another gear, and he's batting like 340. So it's an incredibly challenging lineup to hit to. It's incredibly challenging, one through nine. And we made this point previously, but for the sake of saying it again, it's like they've got stacked one, two, three, four space, one, two, three, four. So you have to go through a one through four part of the order twice. Um, And that's not even counting if Parker Nolan can get himself going, right? I mean, he's been out of the lineup. If Parker gets going, I mean, (laughs) you're talking about flipping Folger, Nolan, Casas through that DH spot. Injuries will change this. Somebody's going to have to miss some time. It's just life. Uh, but they're a very, very difficult team to pitch to. Um, I still think you have to be a touch better situationally. I do think at some point in time, uh, getting runners at the corners or not laying down a sacrifice bunt or not getting the sacrifice fly, it's going to catch you. And, and you just hope it doesn't catch you at the wrong time. And it's also going to get harder at some point, Chris, because expecting the pitching staff to hold everybody every single time under five runs is also realistic. So at some point when the pitching gets harder and you can't quite mash your way to a 10 run inning, you're going to have to be efficient enough to get seven when somebody else scores six. Um, But it's, but it's still, it's still a ridiculously good lineup. They're second in the conference in batting average. Um, So there's so much, I feel, I feel uh, uncomfortable even, even nudging things in a negative direction, but there's so much to be optimistic at. And by the way, did I mention, Chris, they've won 17 consecutive games? Yeah, well, there's, there's that. There, there's also, <laughs> as you touched on, you, you've got some nice break glass in case of emergency pieces with Nolan, with Troy Laneve, maybe with Matthew Polk. Um, I, I, I like just Polk. looked. Yeah, I, I do too. I think he's going to be a player for them. But I looked it up. If you want to, if you want to go to the decimals, they're, they're, they've got the third best strikeout rate in the SEC, just a, a smidge behind Tennessee, and then uh, again Alabama. This team that leads the conference, but Alabama doesn't hit with a ton of authority either. If you want to, if you want to pick nits, I think they're eighth in walk rate in the league. Uh, in, in term, and in terms of schedule, because I know that's got something to do with it. Theirs is about average for the league so far. Um, you know, if you look at RPI or if you look at um, yeah, not hyper tough, but not incredibly weak, right? Yeah, yeah I've, I've I mean, seen that too. South Carolina's had the toughest schedule in the league by by a good bit. Yeah, um, because they just played number one Texas. Yeah, I mean, there's they're right there with a bunch of teams right together. So, I mean, that's so, and, and I'll, the last point that I'll put on this, Chris, um, is again just talked with Teddy Cahill. And he made this point, so I will take it from him. Uh, but 
there seems to be a fairly even uh, uh, wave of talent across the league, right? Maybe yeah. a season ago, you, you felt like Arkansas was elevating itself early, kind of above the pack. And Vanderbilt certainly got there as well. Um, but whether it's, look, Tennessee's good. Um, LSU had its slip up against Texas A&M, but they're good. A&M might be a little bit better than we think. They come to Nashville this season. Um, there's, there's an even wave of talent at this point in the season across the league um, with maybe a few exceptions. And we can sit here and we can pick apart Vanderbilt, but we always forget to step back and say, well, everybody else has their deficiencies too, right? It's not like you have to fix every single deficiency to be able to win a single game. Other teams have their deficiencies too. And it's, it's like Corbin said it on the opening weekend of the season, you know, Vanderbilt's got a really stiff challenge going up against Oklahoma State. Well, guess what? Oklahoma State has one heck of a stiff challenge going up against Vanderbilt. And everybody can say that for the most part, I think, across the league, which is not a surprise. It's the SEC. It's the best league in the country. Yeah, and I went into this season not knowing if they had a good team, a great team, or an elite team. And and again, I, I want to see them play better people, but my gut after just watching them and, and just watching so much baseball is that this is an elite team. And I have, again, I've looked at every team in this league under a microscope. I think you've got a separation at the top. I think in some order, Vandy, Tennessee, Arkansas, Ole Miss, you could almost argue any order. I, I think I would tend to... Um, I, I don't think Van. I think Vanderbilt's more towards the one end than the four. Um, I think Arkansas is probably more towards the one end than the four, but I'm not. I'm not sure about either. Then I think you've got Florida is the next tier, maybe by itself. Uh, then maybe Georgia, LSU, Auburn, maybe Mississippi State, and then you got five teams at the bottom: in Alabama, A&M, South Carolina, Kentucky, Missouri. You could argue the order, but they're, they're, none of those are bad teams. I think it's going to be a very interesting year and I don't think it's going to play out the way I thought potentially I, I think maybe the the bottom is closer to the middle and the, the top is not maybe seven or eight teams but but maybe four and and again I want to I want to see Tennessee and Vandy both play well and that's that's the case for Arkansas and Ole Miss too I want to I want to see better competition introduced into this but that's my take on where everybody is at the moment yeah, I think bare minimum, Chris Vanderbilt is a great team, uh, and we'll find out exactly how it shakes out. Yeah, yeah. Really, starting this weekend against South Carolina, I will be shocked if this is not a team that goes deep into the postseason just because of the construction of the pitching staff, which is another conversation. Yeah, we, we you know, another conversation. Another. I mean, it's it's baseball, man. It's just baseball. Like it's the. I mean, you guys, you guys know better than I do, right? Like the thirteen team was the best team just like on paper, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and and the baseball bounced in a certain direction in the Supers, and they never made it to Omaha. I mean, that team had a 13 and a 14-game winning streak. That's yeah. ridiculous. Uh, you know, baseball's so darn random that the construction of it gives you a really good chance to be hyper-competitive. Uh, but I don't, I don't bank on anything until it happens. It's about matchups. That's, yeah. <laughs> that is the postseason in a nutshell. Um, yeah. Andrew, thank you for your time today. Tell us what you guys have got coming up at View Commodores with podcasts and, and those sorts of things. Yeah, a couple of things. One, um, uh, a reminder that the Commodore Hour is back in person starting April 4th. 
uh, over at the Commodore Grill, where it's been for, for quite some time. Uh, Coach Corbin will occupy the 6 to 6.30 time slot, uh, and then we'll try to get some special guests, whether it's we're trying to get Coach Lee out there uh, to, to promo the spring game, stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, I'm sure most people have found the Anchor podcast at some point in time. But I will say, if you missed the Commodore Hour earlier this week, um, and it's posted up on the Anchor podcast, Apple, Spotify, same place that you find Chris's stuff. Um, I asked I asked Corbin one of my favorite questions to just lob to coaches as just a conversation starter and or um, digging for a fun story, which is give me the best player that you've ever recruited, had committed, but never ended up on campus. I think I know the, the answer, and I'm not going to spoil it for you. Uh, okay. I'll tell you off Let's podcast so, unless, unless you want sure. me to guess now. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, I'll tell you this. He passed over. He passed over Zach Grinky when he was at Clemson. Okay. They had Zach Grinky committed to Clemson. They had Jeff Francoeur committed to Clemson. Neither of those guys ended up at Clemson, and that was not who he picked. Okay. Well, I, I know Francoeur would have been his pick uh, probably five or six years ago because I asked him that. Um, okay. So I, I have a guess he came up now. With a different I can, name I can for me. make a guess. Okay. If you want, or I will, I will let that be your secret and not spoil your podcast. I go download the podcast. All right, let's let's do that, and we'll see if I'm right <laughs> in my in my head. Um, okay, Andrew, thank you for joining us, and we'll catch you again soon. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, VandySports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VandySports.com. Follow me at ChrisLee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.